1: This episode of Bush's Frickly is brought to you by GameTime. And hey, folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. I've gotten numerous text messages that have said, hey, I just used game Time to save a lot of money on the Ranger game tonight. Thank you so much, and I'm here for you. Actually, I got one that said, do you have a, do you have a, a code that we can use? Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 credit. Here's what you have to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play Store or App Store. Click on My Tickets section of the App Store, create an account, then under the Billing section, use the redeem code The Athletic. The Athletic. You know what it is. That's where you're here. The Athletic. Once again, that's The Athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. The credit is available for the first 1,000 people who redeem the code. Only the first 1,000. And it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. That's not so far away. So that make the moves quick. Score last minute tickets. Tune into this podcast today, and let's have Mark Messier open the show. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to
2: Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast.
1: Hey, Bush Rebecca fans. Welcome to the week of the Bushes Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of The Athletic, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello.
2: Nobody will know what we were talking about before.
1: It's true. I'm in Philadelphia. It's, it's lost to the annals of history. It's true. And uh, this is my first week of recording in my Philadelphia apartment. So uh, I almost died yesterday driving on uh, 95, or what the New Jerseyans called the Turnpike, uh, a stray spare tire, uh, an assassination attempt from Jack Hughes straight into my car, which is uh, rendered it useless up near Staten Island. So, I'm in Philadelphia without a car, and I got locked out of my apartment today, and I'm recording, and it's very bad. So, thank you all for listening, is my point.
2: I, my day was fine, thank you for asking. I just, I,
1: I knew you had a good one, because you know how I know? Because if it was bad, you would have told me.
2: What I have told you, I, it, I only tell you about my bad days when it's podcast related. Mm,
1: okay. No, there's sometimes times where you you and your work, you know, you're like, these people, oh, come okay.
2: on. That's a, no, but that's because that's because work, you always ask me a question, and then you, you ask why I have an answer for four hours, and I just go, yeah, because work fucking sucks, dude. That's why I have an answer. That's fair. I, I do feel bad. Today, uh, the Taylor Hall news broke during what is um, always the busiest time of day for me at work, which is basically any time between 4 o'clock and 5.30. That's when... Work is at its absolute worst. So, of course, the Taylor Hall news breaks in that time frame. Our good friend Jeff is sending off text after text after text, and I'm just not responding to him.
1: And I legitimately
2: feel bad because it's not like I'm ignoring him. It's just literally could not be more busy at work if I tried. Like It's the worst time to be asking me anything at work, let alone – something very important to Jeff, which is a Taylor Hall.
1: Trip. Cool. I just want to give a quick take from Jeff's perspective is how upset is he on a scale of one to 10? Uh, He got more
2: upset. The more he thought about the deal, when the, when the deal was first announced, he, we, we all thought first of all that the devils didn't get a first round draft pick straight up, right? Everything came out sounding like the devils had two conditional draft picks in the deal. So it, it's just astronomical to imagine a Taylor Hall trade where you're not getting a first round draft pick on its own. And then his mood perked up a little bit when we realized that, no, no, they are getting the twenty twenty first. No matter what happens, that's one first round pick. And then the more you read about the prospects, the more just straight up the press.
1: Uh, Jeffy. I'm sorry, Jeff.
2: Also, and, and this is a good place for us to start the podcast. I was, I know where you're going. Shout out shout out to the New Jersey Devils for completely fucking up
1: the trade market for forwards. Just completely fucking it. It's uh, not a good look, especially for a Chris, bad look. Chris Kreider, who hasn't had the best year, scored a goal tonight in the Nashville. We're recording in the, during the Nashville game, by the way. And he's looked okay in the past couple weeks. I think he's definitely been better in the first couple weeks he had of the season. Right. But but, but now it's we're It's so easy to look better than what he looked like in the first couple we're weeks. We're never getting a first-round pick for Chris Kreider. Are you kidding me? Uh, we'd be stunned, right? We're,
2: we're, we've gone from the Rangers will definitely get a first-round pick for Chris Kreider to now, yeah, we, we went through the scenarios last week a little bit, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think. I don't really remember. We, I don't remember. We talk a lot, you know,
1: week. on this podcast.
2: Uh, but we went through the scenario where the only team that would really give up a first-round pick for Chris Kreider are one of the four teams that feel the most confident about winning the Cup, which means that pick would be somewhere between 28, 29, 30, 31. That's where we would expect someone to be willing to give up a first-round pick. We're not in a position where, like, Winnipeg gave up a first-round pick for Kevin Hayes and that pick became number 20 overall. I don't see that scenario happening with Chris Kreider. I really do think, and we said, I said this last week, it is much more likely the New York Rangers find themselves getting the Matt Zuccarello package, where they have the possibility of getting first-round picks, but there's no guarantee. And in all likelihood, they won't get that first-round pick. I, and to think that the Rangers would even get a Brendan Lemieux-type prospect with a draft pick for Chris Kreider at this point in time—just it it's 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 a fantasy. I think even it's just the, not going to happen.
1: Uh, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I think even the Zuccarello package for Kreider feels strong after the Hall Look. trade.
2: You know, the one thing working in the Rangers' favor, but it, it's important to remember that it was the one thing working in the Rangers' favor last year, is Chris Kreider is getting paid below market value currently, right? Still so is, he's a, yes. He's someone, he's someone that a contending team would want in their middle six and on one of their power play units, but he's not making north of $5 million a year. So, if the, and especially if the Rangers wanted to eat some money on that contract, I, I honestly don't know if they can at this point because I think they're they might just be eating too much money on too many people's contracts right now. That's a hockey stat minor question. I'm not going to pretend to know. But anyway, I look forward to that uh, tweet. It's it's one of those things. An, an acquiring team can look at Chris Kreider as a high a high upside player not being paid like a high upside player. But I mean, again, just remember Matt Zuccarello. Matt Zuccarello was making what? He, I think he was making less than Kreider last year. I think he was. He too was he too was struggling, and the Rangers still just got the two conditionals. At this point, I think it's hard to imagine a scenario where the Rangers are getting a significant prospect on his own or a first-round pick, and forget about getting both of them. It's just not going to happen. My honest, my honest expected return for Chris Kreider now is the second and the third.
1: I know. I, I think so too. And how upset would you be if you're Shiro, and then all of a sudden the Blues trade a first-round pick for Kreider? Like, would you rather have a like a guaranteed first or what you got in the package for Hall? Because I, I'm not a prospect expert, uh, but according to our actual prospect expert Drew Way, his reaction to the trade really wasn't uh, astounding. He, you know, he liked the prospects, he did didn't not, love he did them. Not
2: like the prospects. He did not like the prospects. Like, which I would is- I
1: say you, you didn't think they were of quality for that trade. I'll, I'll 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 let him do it. You can go to his Twitter, Drew on Twitter. No, I'll
2: I'll uh, I'll summarize it for you because you seem to be struggling. It, I am struggling he, today. He he said he said the trade makes perfect sense if you've gotten to the deadline. Yes, you can't find a better offer, and it's either take it or leave it. And this is what you have to take in order to make sure you get something. At that point, you can be all right. It's less than what we wanted, but this is this is the world we live in nobody wanted to give us what we actually wanted for taylor hall so let's let's cash our chips in even if we're not getting as much as we wanted and then drew's drew's point is a really good point where it's it's we're not even at christmas yet we're not we are a solid 10 weeks from the trade deadline which means the only scenario in which you should be trading taylor hall this this far removed from the trade deadline is if you're getting, you're not just getting the package you want. You're getting more than the package you want. That's the only reason to accept this trade. You have to feel like you're being overpaid in order to trade Taylor Hall.
1: What, and there's what, no, why rush there, though? Just like
2: what's the rush? Well, that's the thing. There's no way to look at this package. Even the most optimistic person about this package, you can't look at it and say for sure the Coyotes overpaid. They didn't trade any of their top three prospects. They only gave up one first round pick. The second doesn't become a, in order for the second to become a first round pick, I believe the Coyotes have to make the Western conference finals and re-sign Taylor Hall. And then it becomes a second round pick. If just one of those two things happen. So you're getting one first round pick, which you are always going to get for Taylor Hall. You're getting three fine, if not underwhelming prospects and you're, the second draft pick you're getting, in all likelihood, is just a third-round pick? No one's That's not an overpay. That's a little bit below market I, value. I think it's maybe. below market value, for sure. Now, the, the argument you could make is maybe we're just overestimating the market of Taylor Hall, right? Here's the guy who's battled injuries the last two years.
1: I don't know about this, He's Greg. I, I don't want to cut dude, you off, dude, but
2: this dude won MVP two years ago. But Yeah, but at the same time, that was two years ago. Right, he missed almost all of last season with an injury. He hasn't. He's been unspectacular this year. Again, a lot of that comes down I, to I the fact that the frying know, pan he the, was the in, New, the New Jersey Devils were bad. Yeah, it's but it's you. Enough shine has come off that penny where you can conv, you you can try to convince yourself that maybe we were overestimating what he should be getting in trade. At the same time. If you're the fucking, I gotta tell you, tell me. If you're the fucking Edmonton Oilers, yeah. What are right? you, what are you doing? <laughs> not not just that, but you have an asset that doesn't want to play with for you, right? You have a highly regarded asset in Jesse Poyarvi who has said he will not play for the Edmonton Oilers again. Which means, regardless of how valuable he may be as a trade target, he is of no value to you because he won't play for you. So if Jesse Poyarvi and a Jesse Poivert in a first round pick is a much better package, and I get that there's some there's there's some unwillingness to make that trade because you traded Taylor Hall away in the first place, but you
1: you just gotta do it, right? You have you no choice. You to do it. And if you're the Devils, you, you don't say no to that package. You have two of the best players in the league. The whole reason your team is good is because you have this unbelievable first line that just absolutely dominates everybody. Might as well add one more powerful piece and see if you can make a deep run with it. Like that's a guy that you might be able to re sign. Why not take a shot? Like, oh, I guess I can go play with the best player in hockey? Okay. Uh huh. Like, I just it's it's there's some teams that I just think dropped drop the puck is a terrible example here. But <laughs> <laughs> You want to say drop the
2: ball, but they play with the puck. I exactly, guess. yeah. It's, it's
1: just, I'm just stuck.
2: It, it it it's it's just it's a little If this was the Rangers, I mean the New York Rangers got more from the Tampa Bay Lightning for Ryan McDonough and JT Miller. And again, a reason why you can say they did that is because both McDonough and Miller had more um more control on their contracts. So of course, the Lightning played paid more. It's just one of those things where I it, it's December 16th, Ryan. There's no pressure to trade Taylor Hall this week. And if if you were if you were
1: <sighs> I don't care what Taylor Hall is saying to you. I don't care if he's coming into your office every single week like you got to trade me every single day. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. Dude, you're under contract. You're staying until we get the appropriate it's, deal.
2: It's really not just that. It's just I have a hard time believing this specific trade wouldn't be available to them in February. So if this, is, if this is your baseline deal, which I feel like it was, you need to go to other teams and be like, look, this is the offer that we have in hand. We feel like we can get more for Taylor Hall. If you would like to give us more, we can talk. If not, we're just going to sit on this until the deadline.
1: Well, we're going to see what happens with Kreider because a second and a third sounds like the realistic ceiling now. It,
2: it's really hard for me to imagine getting more for Kreider. And when people ask us, well, okay, if that's all if that's all we're going to get for Chris Kreider, would you guys rather just hang on to him? The, hanging on to him because you're underwhelmed with the the offers you're getting on the trade market is not the reason to hang on to him. You're either hanging on to him because you feel like, you can sign him for below market value, which I think is going to be in the at least seven million dollars. Probably, yeah, I Chris think around the open market. You're
1: crazy lucky if it's like six,
2: six and a half. Yeah. I think you're happy with. So you needed to ask yourself: It's not trading Chris Kreider has nothing. Almost has nothing to do with the package you're getting in return for him. It has everything to do with the fact of: Do you believe he can be a viable part of this team's? Next, next successful playoff window, and I personally would not make that bet. I'd rather have the second and the third if that's all I'm going to get than signing Chris Kreider to a long-term lucrative extension. I Chris Kreider keeping him because you're underwhelmed with the with the fricking trade package. Just doesn't mean anything No, to it
1: doesn't. And you know how you I don't know think who I should feel. be a New
2: York Ranger next year.
1: I've been on this. Film. I know like, you
2: feel you you were furious when you wanted the Rangers when they were a playoff team to trade Keith Yann. I was.
1: I just didn't believe in the team. And that's maybe my fault. Maybe I'm being a bad fan, but I love Chris Kreider, my favorite player. I have his card on my desk. Uh and just a just a huge fan of his. Have been for a long time. Feels like the last other than Hank remaining old core Ranger. But it, I just can't well, Stahl, sorry, Stahl. But I, I just can't let it I can't let him stay. We're not going to sign him for 6.5 million. That's crazy. The age curve is, doesn't match with what we're doing. I know he's just not, a year not, older it, than Artemi, but, but it's a different thing. It's a whole different Answer being.
2: answer answer this question for me, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe this maybe this will help put things in perspective. Are the New York Rangers a significantly worse team without Chris Kreider on?
1: Right now or for the next couple of years?
2: Both. Both. Are the New York Rangers going to what are, what are the Rangers currently playing at? Just about 500 hockey? Yep. Are the are the Rangers going to play below 500 below 450 win percentage hockey without Chris Kreider? Probably probably not. Is it going to be is it going to be that different? I don't think it's it's not really going to be that different. Well, Kreider makes, part
1: of it he makes differences in a lot of different like small ways on the ice. I'm curious as to what it would look like without him. But I I guess I did just say small ways. So that proves your point. It's – I mean, the places he would be need to be replaced,
2: David Quinn juggles the top six so much that it, it's not even like the Rangers would have to completely replace a top six performer, right? Yeah. And then the power play, it's almost like
1: Kreider – is unfit for duty on the power play. I sometimes. always, I always have felt, of, especially of recent, that Kako should sort of be in the Kreider spot on the power play, like the in front of the net, using your body and 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 stick handling position, where Kreider has been taking that spot. And maybe that's just me. By the way, Butch just went to the locker room, and I don't know why. So, oh, fantastic! Yeah, uh,
2: I just, I don't think the New York Rangers are significantly different anymore without Chris Kreider. I. I, the crazy thing is, I feel like maybe losing Ryan Strom would have more of an impact than losing Chris Kreider. I
1: think Ryan Strom's definitely going to have more of an impact. I don't think that's even close. He's been so right. Yeah, so it's, which sounds crazy to say. I can't believe I just said that out loud. Weird.
2: So we're basically we're basically saying we're talking about the New York Rangers giving a essentially a role player north of six million dollars a year. Are you insane? That's not what you do. You don't
1: pay role players. You find cheaper, younger role players. That's what you do. If Chris was consistent, because Chris has that level. You've seen it. We've all seen it. When he he, he he's used to, he used to have that level for sure. I just we're talking about a guy
2: who's on the wrong end of his prime, who's battled a ton of injuries in his career, mm. who's had a bad season for his standards. There aren't really reasons to keep Chris Kreider around, if I'm being honest.
1: So weird. Uh, well, one of the reasons you might not keep him around is because someone else came back from the KHL, or actually the VHL, this week, and that's Vitaly Kravstov. Uh, I don't think this is, there's a lot of time to spend on this. He, The reports were he well, had a hard... Just, what, what's
2: yeah, there's just not a whole lot we need to talk about with yeah. Kravstov, right?
1: Nope, happy he's back. Excited to see what he does in the AHL. Excited to see him on Elias Anderson's wing and hope that they can both develop at, at a proper rate. I don't think there's any more analysis than that. It's exciting. Just glue them to Leas, let the kids cook, give them –
2: this is also going to sound a little crazy. When the trades do start happening and roles start opening up for, like, if there's no Krider on the Rangers, if there's no Strom on the Rangers, when these moves happen, I think Kravtsov should just stay in Hartford for the entire year. Give him consistency. Give him familiarity. Give him a routine. I think at this point, that might be as important for his long-term development than it would
1: getting NHL minutes as a 19-year-old. I think that's actually like a sound logic. I just don't think the Rangers do that. I think there's, I think there's like a more than 50% chance that Kravtsov is a Ranger by February, March. I think he ends up coming up, and that's it.
2: Only, only way it happens is if they trade Kreider, and you and I still. On this day, the sixteenth of December, twenty
1: nineteen, would be stunned if Chris Kreider's a New York Ranger after the trade deadline. Absolutely floored. I would, yeah. I think Chris Kreider, Strom, too. I think I'm still like he's going no matter what.
2: Uh, I, I, I don't think I, I could see scenarios where Strom stays. Would I keep him? No, but I could, I can still see scenarios where Strom stays. He's a guy. Again, if if the Rangers want to be a competitive hockey team. And, oh, an actual playoff team in 2020, 2021, I think there's value in having a versatile forward like Ryan Strome in your top nine, making not $6 million a year to serve a role playing, I don't know, 14, 15, 16 minutes a night, just not on a top line, a guy who has, has, of propensity of putting the puck in the back of the net, even if it's at an unsustainably high rate. And we obviously have seen what happens when that high shooting percentage dries up a little bit, which is what we're seeing currently with Ryan Strom. I just think the same reasons why you would trade Ryan Strom, where he's a 26-, 27-year-old middle six forward who has the ability to play both wing and center. Uh, The reason why you can sell him to a contending team like the Blues – is because he has a year-and-a-half control. Ryan Strom to me, is the best-case scenario of what Jimmy Vc was where there are some guys who just take the free agency, right? Like, if you're a contending team, you're okay if you have Ryan Strom on a one-year deal before his free agency. You're not worried about extending him long-term. You're going to enjoy what he gives you for that one year, and then you're going to bid him adieu. And if the New York Rangers want to be a playoff team next year, they're a better team with Ryan Stromden and then they are say spending $2 million on a, a filler that you can find on the open market after the season. I, I think just, that's a not a guy I extend. Case. He's, he's not a guy I extend, but he's a guy I 100% run the clock out with.
1: Okay. Uh, with that note, we have a lot more Ranger talk coming. We have Rob Luker on the podcast. He's one of our favorite analytics follows and we're going to go over to him. But first, Some advertisements. Transition. Hey, talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, hey, I lost my mojo or avoid it altogether like I had a long day at work or the Mets have new owners or sorry, honey, I'm not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe you real medication, it is simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation of ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple, just go to getroman.com/bsb. That's it. That's all you got to do. Just go to getroman.com/bsb to get a free online visit and free 2-day shipping. That's getroman.com/bsb for a free visit to get started. Getroman.com/bsb. And while I'm here. The holiday season is here, and we know what that means for football fans. It's bowl season. As in well over 30 bowl games before championships games on January 6th. If that's not enough to get you excited, the playoff push is also underway in the pros. You need even more to get excited? The DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on the action. And more, 24-7, 365 days a year. With so much going on this week, they have great promotions running every single day. Especially this week. DraftKings is giving away 8 days of sportsbook gifts this holiday season. Be sure to check out the promos tabs in the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Of each of the 8 days leading up to Christmas... Open your daily gift. You definitely won't want to miss what's in store for Christmas Day. It's probably a special gift for you. With promos like these, it's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code QUICK for a limited time. All new users can get a free bet when you sign up, plus... When you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Don't forget to sign up with code QUICK to place your first bet. You can get a risk-free bet up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 years old in New Jersey only. Your restrictions apply. See some for details. Gambling problem. called 100 Gambler. Hey, we're back with our first guest today. It is Rob Luker, someone I, me and Greg have followed uh, on Twitter for a while. You do a lot of analytics for the Rangers, and not for the Rangers or about the Rangers, rather, and you're the infamous uh, Tony D'Angelo chirp, I guess, is what you would call it. I guess say hello.
0: Yes, I am. <laughs> hey, how are you?
1: I guess we could just start right there uh, before we get to a- anything else of what you know the actual good stuff you do. Um, well,
0: Ryan, before we go any further, let's bring in
2: our
1: other surprise guest, Tony, Tony D'Angelo. D'Angelo. <laughs> He's playing. <laughs> I her. knew it. I knew but
0: it. I knew it. This is a trap. <laughs>
1: currently playing uh, as we record. Um, but what what was your first thought? Because you produce some pretty harmless tweets. I don't think you're ever outwardly mean, but in this case, uh. You got chirped a little bit by a player on the Rangers, and that's got to feel kind of good, but also kind of like, hey, what the hell, man, at the same time. Yeah. Uh,
0: first of all, thanks for having me on. But secondly, yeah, it was an emotional uh, few hours. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I legitimately just took it easy on a Saturday night, got up, um, was taking a look at Ryan Strome stuff randomly while sipping my coffee, sent one of my usual weird tweets out where I was just saying, hey, this is kind of weird. What's going on here? Or maybe they should trade him. Maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. It was a normal Sunday. <laughs> um, I go watch the Bills game and then all of a sudden as I'm going out to a bar to meet some friends, I notice that my phone is blowing up and Tony Tony D'Angelo has quoted my tweet. So that kind of started everything.
2: <laughs> it's 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 funny looking back on it, right? Because on one hand we have to As hard as it is to do sometimes because he makes it so easy to dislike him on just a personal level. But we do have to applaud Tony D'Angelo for being the guy who steps up and's like, there's this thing out here that puts one of my friends and one of my teammates in the negative light. So I want to defend my friend. At the same time, while we consider that, we have to then remember that, one, you didn't even say anything bad about Ryan Strome. You basically just said, well, this is interesting and showed numbers. And then two, we have to remember that you weren't even criticizing Ryan Strom. You were just literally providing information that is readily available to everyone that shows basically what we all know and assume about Ryan Strom. And it's it was just an interesting. There were other tweets Tony D'Angelo could have targeted if the goal of his tweet was to defend Ryan Strome and put someone on blast. So it's 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 always been weird to me that. I'm not annoyed that Tony D'Angelo did it. I just felt like he took the most innocuous tweet of all time to do it to.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I obviously had a lot of friends back from home text me saying what what even happened here. I, I mean, I completely agree. I thought it was really interesting that he decided to point that out of anything, and I completely get it to your point. I mean, he's a good friend of his, I assume, and they're in the same locker room. I mean, I get it. Not to pull the I played card, but I would have felt the same way about a teammate of mine. I mean, even though – to your point, it was more just numbers facts, so to speak. I don't know. It wasn't even really, I didn't even really put a firm opinion in there. So, yeah, it was weird, but, um, you know, it was also fun at the same time. I'll just leave it at that, I guess. Definitely <laughs> some good
1: exposure for, for the Twitter that you have now, which also, as we said, does a lot of great analytics. I guess let's start with the defense. I think that's the funnest place to start. <laughs> uh, yep. Tell us or tell people listening out there why analytically – it's been so scary for the Rangers' defense and why they might be matching a historically bad defense. Explain it like I'm five years old, because I sort of am.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the best way to explain it, honestly, as if we're at the bar. Uh, I mean, it's basically two things. It's one, the amount of chances and the quality of chances, more importantly, they're giving up are just on a historically bad level since the NHL started tracking shot location data in 2007-8, I believe it was the season. I mean, we're talking Sabres-level tanking bad, like just grade-A chances left and right. And, I mean, obviously, anybody watching the games, as we all do, I mean, it's pretty obvious on nights, especially those real bad nights. It just seems nonstop. So between that and then you throw in a couple of different names, such as Mark Stahl, such as Ligor Hayek, and even Brian Lindgren a little bit lately, it's just, it just seems like no matter who's coming over the boards to an extent, it's just not going to get any better. And that's what the concern is, is if they're going to try to do anything about it this season or what's even the plan here beyond a year.
2: It, when, just just to, to springboard off this a little bit, so it's it's one of the – and, Robert, you and I have gone back and forth on Twitter a number of times, and I, I feel like we always agree yet somehow disagree on its, on its core. We both agree that the first obvious correction that the Rangers have to make is a change in the coaching staff, which seems universal yep. and seems dumb to bring up all the time. So I'm not even going to get too in-depth on it. We don't need to. We just we both agree Lindy Ruff is a problem. The first step to recovery is admitting you have a problem, and then the next step is whatever the next step is. Where you and I tend to disagree when it comes to the Rangers' defense is you are pretty firm, and I want to give you time to explain why you're pretty firm in the Rangers needing to identify what their best lineup is and playing it in the short term. And I've been pretty firm with you and on here that – Sometimes there's benefits to letting the kids drown a little bit and just playing the babies. But yep. you you and I'll I'll let, I'll let you take it from here. I'm always, I'm always just curious if if we can both agree the Rangers are still rebuilding. Why your emphasis tends to be on the let's play the best lineup tonight, even if wins and losses
0: don't matter at the end of the day. For sure. I think there's, I mean, I I conflict myself with this sometimes when I'm watching the games and I'm thinking about it. Because, well, first and foremost, yes, Lindy Ruff is an issue, and eventually, hopefully, he's gone. (laughs) I think we'll just leave it at that. But honestly, uh, when it comes to the players, here's my thing, is they went out, they decided to trade Truba. obviously the Pionic deal, which we could go sideways on that, but the Pionic deal, was pretty happy with that. And then also they obviously go sign Panarin. So we get this little bit of a signal of, okay, maybe they're going to try to take take a, take a step forward, especially with obviously drafting Kako and the other good drafting that they, they, they've they done so far in maybe taking the next step. So why I explain it like that is is because now we've seen essentially 20 to 30 games of a handful of names. Again, Mark Stahl, Libor Hayek, and again Lindgren a little bit lately. And my logic is, okay, if they're struggling so bad to the point where they're outliers, where they're really clearly just either not ready for the NHL, I would rather see the coaching staff recognize that. And if they're really thinking about trying to win more games than lose, set up a top four, even if it means using an offhand pair, to give them the best chance to stay in games. I'm not even saying they're going to be actually good, or they should be actually good, but just at least stay in games. And given the goaltending they're getting on a night-in, night-out basis this year – they could probably win a handful of those at least. And so, yeah, that goes against the whole bring the kids up, let them play, let them run no matter what. And I think there is some merit to that. I guess in the end I would almost rather see them get some wins and feel better about themselves than necessarily just play in the NHL and regardless of the results just go through the year.
2: I I guess it it comes to this. Do you think if the Rangers use your optimal lineup that they're a playoff team this year?
0: I, I will not say they're a for sure playoff team, but I think if you do it, you, if, if they rolled out a consistent top four that took the heavy minutes of Shade D'Angelo and Truba Fox, Truba playing out as offhand or even Foxy at this point, given the way he's playing, I, I honestly think he could do it. Um, I think if they took the heavy defensive minutes, the Rangers would be a remarkably average team that with their goaltending, with their shooting and with the offensive talent they do have could probably sniffle out in that playoff spot. Yeah.
1: I guess this. I guess. Oh, we just I, oh, I,
0: knock on wood. Well, you first, Ryan.
1: I was uh, I was going to bring it to Adam Fox, but you finish your point. I'll let you go.
2: I was just I was just going to make the not even the point, more the observation where we Mark Stahl. We both agree shouldn't be in the lineup, and I I don't. We're clearly not alone in that. It, it's it's a pretty yeah. universal <laughs> opinion. I guess it comes down to the real question of the only way we can. The Rangers are doing a good amount of winning now, and that's with a suboptimal lineup that they've been playing that includes Lindgren, who's struggling, Hayek, when he was healthy, was struggling. If you're going to play the kids, it comes down to the trust of the teachers, right? So if we don't trust – we definitely don't trust Lindy Ruff. And I guess the question becomes, do we trust David Quinn enough to utilize young defensemen in a way where they might be struggling on a night-to-night basis, but their game is growing? And I, I guess that's the million-dollar question, right? Because I'm not yeah. there yet with Quinn. And then I, I, I know you're not there yet with Quinn, but
0: I, I, that's, where, I mean, that's where we end up. I agree. It'd be one thing – and, you know, it is a little too early in the season, I guess, on a few of those names. You know, it's not fair to completely write off Hayek. I, obviously, that's an easy statement. But we need to see some progress, I'd like to think. You know, if he was a 30% shot share guy or even scoring chance guy for the first 10, 15 games and then kind of came back to average – Okay, there's something there. But that's just not the case. He's just been flatline all year. So at what point do you say, oh, just keep running him out there? It doesn't matter. Or do you maybe say, well, maybe Hartford is the best move and just bring up anybody that can fill that time? Because if they're going to lose, they're going to lose anyway, right? That's what I go back and forth on. I agree. It's not clear cut. It's just I don't know what else how to put it.
1: (laughs) Well, I was going to bring it to Adam Fox, and obviously we were all thrilled and excited when Adam Fox was obtained by the Rangers this summer in in a trade. But has he been a surprise to you analytically, or is is he an outlier in any way? Like, what? Give me the lowdown on, on how excited I should be, even though I already am like, very thrilled.
0: Adam Fox, I mean, I hate to say it because obviously there's a lot of other Ranger prospect names that we should be excited about, but Adam Fox is the most legitimate thing in terms of a young Ranger player on this roster, in my opinion. I, somehow, despite giving up, like I said earlier, stable level tanking bad of expected goals against and scoring chances against, Adam Fox, when he's on the ice, does quite the opposite, meaning he defends well, he creates chances, and he controls the shot share. Um, don't know exactly where his goals for are at, but I know they're on the positive side. So, yeah, I, I think he's, I mean, that's just turned out to be a hell of a deal for the Rangers.
1: Do you think, in your opinion, we'll see Rykov up in the NHL this year?
0: I don't watch Tug Harper games, so I won't go too far into it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, given the way that Lindgren and Hayek are playing, why not? That would be my response.
1: <laughs> I think it's a, a very good answer. Any other questions on the defense, Gregory, before we move to my lord and savior? Uh, none that
2: jumped to mind. Maybe, was it, Rob, was it you today who mentioned including someone like Lindgren in a trade package if it meant the Rangers selling
0: at the deadline? Did I see that on your timeline today? No, that wasn't me, but that's an interesting thought for sure.
1: Credit to that person. <laughs>
0: Why don't why don't we explore that
2: thought? What what would be is is there an acceptable outcome where the Rangers should include someone like Lindgren, who obviously young, on his entry level contract seems to be has shown signs to be trending in the right direction this year? Do you what what would be the acceptable package in your mind for the Rangers to include someone like that when we're talking about a situation where? if the Rangers wanted to bring someone up from Hartford, we're not talking about the Niels Lundqvists of the world. We're not talking about the Keandre Millers of the world. We're not talking about the Matthew Robertsons of the world. If the Rangers do move another defenseman this season, yes, they could slot in Brendan Smith, but they've kind of worn out the depth already in Hartford, if that's hard to believe. So I I wonder what you would need to get back in order to move uh, Ryan Lindgren.
0: I mean, so let's put it this way. I would trade Ryan Lindgren right now before Libor Hayek. I would send – because I just think mm. that even even when I'm watching the games, I think that Hayek maybe still does have a little bit of flash potential that Lindgren ultimately I, don't, I think does not have to that same level. So what I mean is I'd rather see Hayek go down to Hartford and keep working on his game and, and more just develop and adjust to the pro game, whereas I think Lindgren – he could maybe turn into a fine third pair, maybe second pair at best with a good partner. But beyond that, that's what I mean in terms of I'd rather move Lindgren. Now, what would that cost? You could always go the pick route and just try to get as much back form as possible if if, um, another team saw value in it. Otherwise, yeah, I would definitely rather tack him onto a name like Strom or something like that. That's going to be on the way out just to get back more. Whether that means maybe a young legitimate, you know, middle six guy that has, you know, proven good numbers and maybe could grow a little bit, or even if it's really just to clear names out and, and add another pick into that deal to make it more future friendly for the Rangers.
1: What did we get for Ryan Graves? Chris Biggs. Isn't that isn't that a very similar situation? I guess he wasn't tagged on. He was more of a let him go let him go play situation rather than Lingren. So maybe that doesn't matter or it's not applicable in this yeah, situation. Yeah, I
0: I, w- I would say it's it's probably in that same boat where, I mean, Ryan Graves, I know there's been some chatter out of Colorado that he's doing great and everything, and he and he's doing fine, but it, I, it he's not blowing it out of the water by any means. So I think the same thing could happen with Lindgren. It is tough when we're talking about the system and how they're performing defensively this year to really analyze it. But at the same time, when he's playing with Adam Fox and Fox is legitimately seeing – night and day results compared to Lindgren. <laughs> it's tough to say that it's the same situation at the same time.
1: I said we were gonna get off defense, but I lied. Um, should we all be worried about Jacob Truba comparatively for his play this year to when he was on the Jets? No.
0: No. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, I I think he, I'm just here to ask questions. Sorry. It's my job. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I think he's gonna be fine. He, uh, you've seen the difference in terms of. Let me put it this way: from from what I see in the numbers when I look at day to day, he's his game has come bouncing back since moving away from Hayek. Is he has he and Shea been actually good? No. <laughs> uh, have they been bad though? Uh, no. At the same time, no, because they've just been pretty average, and um, they are eating up the top minutes on the pairs.
2: All right, yeah, I, I have I have no worries about Jacob Truba. I, part of it goes back to, again, needing a more consistent system that fits your players as opposed to hoping your players fit your system. Uh, and the other part is he's he's been fine for the last, I don't know, six weeks or so as soon as he got separated from yeah. Hayek. So not a, not a whole lot for me to really worry about with Truba. People wondering aloud if the Rangers should trade Truba is just ridiculous, and I'm not going to not even going to engage with it beyond what I just said. So I'm just going to move on to what Ryan really wanted to talk about, which were the forwards. And Rob, i I'm always curious. Do you think David Quinn's inability to stick with lines for any significant period of time is hurting anyone in particular, or is it nonsense that we tend to make up to try and no, create storylines
0: out of? I, I definitely think that's an issue. I mean, it's it's not, it's not even to the point where I, – I won't even call any individual player quite yet. It's to the point where how do they know what's working? How do Quinn and Oliver know what's working or not if they change the line legitimately every game and or every – it feels like every two periods? <laughs> it's I, I can't tell how they would ever make a judgment call on what line is working and what line isn't, even outside of individual perceived effort. You know what I mean? Well,
2: I, I do, and I, I, I'm team – this, the, we're past the point where it, it makes sense to keep putting lines in a blender at some point for better or for worse, but especially it, it's it's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? Because if there's ever a year where you just continue to blend the lines on a nightly basis, it's a year where you're happy. You're happily surprised if you're in the playoff picture and you're not expecting it. Right? So on one hand, this is the perfect time for the Rangers to just mash it up constantly because at the, the Rangers don't need to win to justify this season. They they they're trending upward with a young team and that should be good enough at the end of the day. And yet, I I'm, I'm with you. I don't know how you can take away any individual performance of any individual player when you continuously put those players in completely different situations on a nightly basis. Like how I, I Kako has seemed like he struggled at times for sure. but we can't diagnose the problem without canceling out certain other attributes to what might be what might be contributing to that. We don't we don't know. Is, is it the fact that Kako doesn't have chemistry with the guys on his line? Is Kako bringing down the play of his line? Is there a center Kako plays better with? We don't know because we only see him for seven minutes at a time with certain players. It's it's kinda
0: right. nuts. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's just super frustrating. I mean, even before we get on a because that is going to be a topic for a second, but even so they had Kreider, um uh oh my god. Oh, they had Kreider Heat Over together for probably a good ten twelve games. And in those ten twelve games, the Rangers consistently saw a good gradual increase in terms of their shot share and scoring chances. And then they broke it up because the Anna J came back. Now my first question was why it was clicking. You could easily just put Zabarnyev up top with parent or whoever, however you want to set it up around them. And then they've since also seen that uh, a downside since breaking that um, since breaking that lineup, and they have have to go back to it for any reason. Again, what is the purpose of the blender if you're not going to at least stick with one or maybe two lines that has consistently at least played well? I, I just don't get it.
1: I don't really understand either, because I guess the problem is he's trying to motivate certain players. I guess it's the hockey coach sort of way. I can't really wrap my head around exactly why Quinn puts things in a blender. Like, Kako, for example, started on the fourth line tonight. I just saw him in the first power play. We're in the the intermission between the first and second period right now. It's 1-1, just so everyone knows. And Kako, in general, has had definitely a problem being aggressive. I think that's clear. I don't know what the analytics show, but... The not shooting the puck when he should be has not happened, and I don't know if Quinn's putting him on the fourth line to punish him for not shooting more. I don't know if, if the coaching is the appropriate way, but Quinn, Quinn's sort of punishments, aka the Quinn bin or putting you on the fourth line and then switching you in-game, have worked to motivate players before, but I'm just still sort of skeptical as to what the benefit of switching lines is this often, because it brings me back to my favorite topic of this season, which is hashtag small sample size. And when you have these yeah. small sample sizes, you don't learn anything.
2: But it's, it's it's not just the small sample sizes. It's even if you think Kapo Kako is struggling, and I don't think any of us three could sit here right now and say Kako's game is in the 90th percentile or above. Would, we would just be lying for the sake of trying to defend a player that we like. I made a church but about say, the
1: guy, and I will not say that.
2: But, but even <laughs> even if that's true, right, be that as it may, there shouldn't be a situation where Greg McKeggeg is playing more minutes than Capocako. Like, if Cabo Kako's having the worst game of his career, he should still get more minutes than Greg McKegg. I I, I don't think that's necessarily a hard thing to believe. I, I it's one thing if you have nine forwards who are playing at the top of their game who you can put above Capocako, and specifically if you do that because you're threatening for a playoff spot. You're trying to improve your team on a nightly basis. The New York Rangers, even if everyone is playing at hundred percent, or even if anyone's playing at 0%, simply don't have nine forwards that should be getting more ice time than Capo Kako, all things considered. So it's just, it's nuts to me that not only is Quinn blending up the lines on a nightly basis, it's just nuts to me that he's, he's treating the season as a do or die, must win every game type season. And he feels that, as much as I love Greg McKenna, dude's great, entertaining as hell, is a very fun role player. But it, it would be like, Rob, I don't know if you're a baseball fan, but it would basically be like batting John Mayberry Jr. fourth. is really what it comes down uh, to.
0: Has the team ever done that, Greg?
2: Yes. They also batted
1: Eric Campbell third. It was a really fun time for me. Interesting. I'm not a
0: huge baseball guy, and that just doesn't sound right, so I agree.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Rob, Rob checks it out. Uh, I guess the last topic I kind of want to go over with you, Rob, is is the goalies since we already touched forwards and defense. Um, explain to people that Henrik Lundqvist isn't bad, and that even though Georgiev is really good, he might be tradable. Or actually, I kind of want to get your take on Georgiev if he if he is tradable or not, and what if what he's doing right now is real?
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, Eric, Henrik Lundqvist is still very much legitimate. Obviously, <laughs> I think he's proved that so far this year. I, you know, I can't see a situation where he's going to move on, uh, meaning for next year. So that pretty much brings us to Georgiev and moving him. Um, it certainly seems like Prince Igor is the one that's going to be coming up next year. So I I, I feel like he's just got to trade Georgiev at some point this year. That That's probably my two cents. I haven't focused a ton on the goalies because they both done pretty good. Um, Henrik even slightly better more than Georgiev and I don't know really what the plan is there. If they actually keep three goalies, that's be an interesting move. I'd be surprised if they did that, but I'm, I'm pretty much more in the camp of trading your game, bring up your circuit next year and seeing how that goes.
1: I can't say I disagree, but it's going to be such a wild ride because I'd go back and forth on George all the time. Last week on the podcast, I literally said he was 25. I was wrong. He's 23. So it's uh <laughs> it's, it's hard to trade a developing goalie that, is truly performing at such a high level that could be your future goalie. Like, Georgiev, it's a possibility that Georgiev could be the Ranger goalie for 10 years. But with Igor absolutely dominating the AHL, well, what the hell do you do? Unless you get their nice, nice return package, and that's what we're going to be playing out of the next couple of weeks. But uh, I yeah. guess your analysis is they're good.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty simple with the goaltenders. The the Rangers are lucky in terms of they've constantly just had 10, 12, 15 years of goaltending here. Um you know, could Giorgio turn out a little bit different than the Cam Talbot trade? Absolutely. Um, do you go back and not make that trade for any reason? I don't think so. So that's kind of the same logic I'm applying there.
1: All right. Well, Rob, I appreciate you uh, taking your time and coming on uh, on the show today. Is there any fun analytic fact that we should know as Rager fans before we let you go?
0: <laughs> do you want to go positive or negative?
1: Uh, you, know, with- you
0: know what? How about I leave we could I'll leave it I'll leave with this I'll leave a positive one so we were talking about Kako for a quick second and obviously he got his chance with Zibanejad in the middle he went from some really rough metrics and not looking good kind of bottom end of the rookie scale there to being pretty much average in shot share and almost average in scoring chances with Zibanejad and Panarin does that mean he necessarily deserved to play that much Eh, you can debate that but if Quinn wants to see his confidence get up, I would like to see that line back together and also Kreider, Kito, and Bucinavich as the top six.
1: I think I agree 100% on that. Gregory, any final questions? Uh, the defense rests. Okay. It does, and it lets up a lot of goals. Rob, thanks so much for joining us. Why don't you plug what you do?
0: uh just kind of on twitter right now I'll do a little bit at blue seat blogs right when i can uh, but otherwise the twitter handles are luker 12 l-u-k-e-r and uh always happy to field any questions for anybody just wondering what the numbers are all about
2: awesome man stop what? hating ryan strobe so much man you're gonna yeah.
0: make more come, on, people angry. come on dude come on dude we won't mention how many goals you had since that infamous sunday tweet but uh, i'll let people hmm. look that up on their own
1: interesting all right rob <laughs> we'll talk to you later peace out buddy thank
0: you thank you hey we're back all right Rob is a great interview. Uh, we're gonna
1: actually do our five star questions now if you want to leave a five star question you can go to our iTunes page leave a five star review and leave the question on there maybe a five star question if you want and we'll read it on the show. All right here we go. so this first person uh, I, I read here their their name you know I'm not good at reading you know that right Not not really I I, yes reading reading is one of your uh, not one of your strong suits uh, yeah, exactly. this person's name is Jean. Franco, 19. Nice job. Oh, Great job. GIA. Thanks. All right. Hey, guys. With Georgiev tearing it up lately and proving that he has what it takes to be a starter in this league, do you think the Rangers' future goalie narrative changes with Georgiev being our future starter instead of Sturkin? If so, do you think there, what, what do the Rangers do with Shesterkin, if anything? Um, we sort of talked about this a little bit earlier with Rob. I don't think Georgiev ends up being the future despite how good he's been. Uh, he's not having the best night right now versus Nashville. We're recording a little early. It's two-one, but it's he's still been a really good goalie uh, for the Rangers. I think they know Shostakin is the future, and that's the guy they want to be the future. And they've already made up their mind on that. And no matter how Georgiev performs, I do believe before next year he gets shipped out.
2: Well, it's it's not just that. It's we still have a longer track. As hard as this is to believe. There's a longer track record of Shusterkin's success than there is of Georgiev's success. Yes, Georgiev is having an incredible year this year. And yes, Georgiev was better than any of us expected him to be last year when he was given the chance. But I don't know. I just, I feel like this fan base, more than any other fan base, we just find ourselves falling in love with goalies. In still relatively small sample sizes.
1: Hashtag small sample um, size.
2: Yeah, it's George Georgia's been great. Don't get me wrong. It's just – it's one of those things where I think it would be irresponsible to use this – what? How many how many games does he play this year, Ryan? I think it's
1: – I don't have it on the uh, top of my head. Let me math. Not, he was 9-5-1
2: 9-5 going into the night, so 15 games going into the night. Yeah. Don't use these 15 games as an end-all, be-all. For Alex Georgiev. Yes, they have been encouraging. Yes, they are it's been great this season. He's been wonderful, even considering his by his standards, stinker that he's playing tonight. But just just understand that for all those all those reasons are also the reason why the Rangers should be shopping him. Because it's hard to believe, it's hard to expect Georgiev having a better fifteen game stretch at any point in his career than he's enjoying right
0: now.
1: So he's had one true Ryan. true stinker in that in that time, which is when he got knocked out of the game like in like six minutes. But other than that, he's been tremendous.
2: Yeah, I just I don't know I don't know guys. We need to we need to stop falling for this trap. We allow ourselves to do it all the time. It's it's great. It's a great problem for the Rangers to have, and it's a problem they really don't have to address right now. Unlike what the New Jersey Devils did today with Taylor Hall, the New York Rangers would be smart to allow some team to simply overspend on Alex Georgiev. At the same time, I really wouldn't allow Georgiev to be on this team past the trade deadline because you are changing his trade value, even if he's playing well, by shopping him at the draft because he's just going to cost more money. So,
1: Uh, The one one caveat I will add to this is despite me saying that I believe he'll be traded uh, before next season, I did a, a quick tweet about if, you know, if Georgiev is to be traded, I think he should be started against the San Jose Sharks and the Leafs to showcase him. And our dear good friend of the Athletic, Rick Carpinello, said, well, they're not trading him. So I take that take that for what it is.
2: And, again, the New York Rangers don't have to do anything with their goalies this year. Shosturkin should stay in Hartford all year. The Rangers should keep playing Hank and Georgiev the rate they've been playing them. It's a good problem to have. It's a problem that can be addressed at the draft. I just think, and I know you agree, that his trade value is going to be at its highest this year. And It'll it'll never be higher
1: than it is right now.
2: No, because he's cheap. He'll never get cheaper. He's young. He's under team control. His trade value just will never be higher than it is right now. He could... Even if he keeps playing, if he plays the same level of hockey next year that he's playing this year, the simple fact that he's making more money means he's less valuable in trade. It's that simple.
1: I couldn't say that better myself. Idiots. Uh, This one's called, sorry. This is from L Drogan. It says, idiots but are idiots. I wasn't calling him an idiot, Greg. Oh, this guy is, though. You guys are complete idiots, but you're are idiots. I thoroughly enjoy listening to you each week to get the pulse of what two random and mildly hockey-educated fans have to say. Very well said. The chemistry between you guys is a mix of outstanding and cringeworthy, which always keeps it interesting. My five-star question. We know the Rangers are losing the advanced stats war because they give up the blue line too easily and refuse to shoot the puck. You've discussed the defensive system issues ad nauseum. But now I want to know what the F is going on with the coaching staff isn't? and why aren't they shoving po- uh, pucks down their throat to tell them to shoot more, specifically Capo Kako, praise be. This is a good question.
2: Well, I think... I think they are a little annoyed that the Rangers aren't shooting more. I, I We do have evidence to suggest that the coaching staff is frustrated by sometimes trying to make the gorgeous play as opposed to the logical play. And that's not me saying that the Rangers are playing like a two European style, any of that shit. That shit is nonsense. Saying that Europeans play hockey differently, blah, blah, blah. No, that's just fucking stupid. So I'm not – I'm not going to do that. That's not what I'm trying to suggest. But we, we have evidence that suggests the Rangers coaching staff be, becomes annoyed and frustrated with sometimes the Rangers' willingness to make the extra pass as opposed to just taking the shot. Um, I, I, I would say there's, there are many of the reasons why Quinn juggles the lineup as much as he does is because he's trying to put shooters with passers and it's it's just, I think he's he just gets fr- he he's been clearly frustrated this season at times with the Rangers' lack of desire to get pucks on net. Right. Uh, what what's going to correct that? At some point, you just have to trust the coaching staff, instilling in their players the right opportunities to shoot. Um, I don't think they need to go full hurricanes where it's just shooting shoot until your arms can't lift up a stick anymore. I think there's a the happy medium, but I don't know what the Rangers coaching staff has to do to get the players to shoot more, but I
1: know that it's something they want them to do. The team is just filled with very unselfish, very wanting to make a play players. Like even Panarin, who has been, I think we have a question about him in a second, but has been absolutely bonkers this season. He's always tried to make the, the best play first. Kako for a while, wasn't taking the appropriate I guess aggressiveness towards the net and taking shots. He was always making the what tried to make the perfect pass, and sometimes all those perfect passes are good and all, but you have got to shoot the goddamn puck. And I, I hate to be that guy in the stands that screams it, but other than Artemi and, and Mika, everyone else at the team isn't being aggressive enough. I guess I'll put Brendan Lemieux in that too because he's been.
2: Uh, I wanted I want to put I would say the Rangers definitely don't have a whole ton of shooter mentality players, right? Yes. Mika's never seen a shot that he doesn't want to take, which is why his partnership with Panarin is so great because while Panarin isn't afraid to take shots, which is clear and evident, the dude's a freaking magnet for the back of the neck, but Mika loves to shoot. And if it was Mika's choice, he'd take five shots every time he's on the ice, which is again, it's, it's why his relationship with Buchnevich has always been great. It's why his relationship with Panarin has been fantastic uh, Jacob Truba, he's not afraid to pull the trigger from um the blue line which you love to see. Chris Kreider loves to pull the trigger, his problem is accuracy. He has a hard time hitting the fucking net. But, you know, part part of the reason why it's it's kind of frustrating with Strom is he's not a high volume shooter. If he were more of a high volume shooter, would he score more? Would his would his shooting percentage be as high as it is? His shooting percentage is as high as it is cuz he knows when to pick his shots. And and then he gets puck luck on top of that, but He's not a volume shooter. Kako right now is not a volume shooter. He's, of course, a child, so he can grow into becoming a volume shooter when he gets more experience under his belt. Pavel Buchnevich has never been a volume shooter. He's not a guy that's, again, like like Panarin, he's not a guy that's afraid to shoot the puck, but he's always trying to find the highest percentage shot versus just shooting the puck. So when you have a whole lot of guys that aren't shoot-first mentality players and you, you're not – when you're David Quinn and you're – the more you put Pavel Buchnevich with Ryan Strom, the harder it is to see a successful pairing because you, you're just – you're putting two guys on a line that they're, they're not hungry for the back of the net. It's – it's I think part of the reason why Kreider, Hedl, and Bucinavich worked so well, which um, Rob talked about earlier on the pod Mm -hmm. is Kreider loves to shoot. Bucinavich loves to set up the shot and Heedle loves getting to the net. So it's a perfect partnership. And I, I think sometimes David Quinn or this coaching staff, for whatever reason, they've had a hard time of finding the perfect partnerships. And I think that's, it's a frustration that has come from that. I, I think part of it, they need to look in the mirror and understand that they're creating some of this environment And then some of it is players just need to also take a little bit more responsibility and just get the fucking puck on that.
1: This next question is from Kako. I'm going to skip two for now and come back to them. Kako Praise B24 says, due to Breadman's outstanding play, what do you think it would take for him to enter the Hart Trophy conversation? He's currently on pace for 107 points, which would be by far his highest point total in a season. He's the driving force behind the Rangers along with Zabinijad. Hey, I love the podcast. Chris from Florida says in parentheses here, yes, I know, Greg. Fuck Jacksonville.
2: Ah, my guy. Um, we, this is an easy one to I- explain because we understand what or how hockey writers vote. If the Rangers don't make the playoffs. There's no conversation. Yes, is that right or is that right or wrong? Uh, I think it's very clearly wrong, and it's it, it. You can be valuable without your team making the playoffs. We we understand this. We understand sports more clearly now, where the award is most valuable player, not best player on a playoff team. However. The NHL isn't there yet. They're not going to get there this year. It, so unless the Rangers make the playoffs,
1: we don't need to talk about it. We don't need to worry about it. It's just not going to happen. I agree. And plus, Jack Eichel's probably going to get it. Or McDavid. One of those guys.
2: Or, or McKinnon.
1: Yeah, McKinnon. Yeah,
2: I don't think if, – If the Oilers – look, it probably should just be McDavid's award every year because he's the best player in hockey, and we all agree that he's the best player in hockey. So it's ridiculous that on a yearly basis we then try to decide – who the most valuable player in hockey was when literally every year we all admit it's Connor McDavid. Why doesn't he just win the award every year if he's worthy? And news for you, he's fucking worthy. Um, but if the Oilers make the playoffs this year, we really don't have a reason not to give it to either McDavid or Dreisaitl or honestly Pasternak because Pasternak's having a fantastic year too.
1: Yeah, I don't think even – or Tammy, despite how good he's being for the Rangers right now, and obviously he's worth every amount of uh, dollar we gave him. Or well, rubles. Yeah, or rubles. I just don't think he has even shot. I don't think he's in the top five in the heart conversation right now, despite how good it no, is. No, no, my
2: five. I mean, you have McDavid, Dreisettle, Pasternak, McKinnon. Honestly, <laughs> we're we're at a point where you got to start talking about Cole McCarr.
1: Dude. Yeah, I know, crazy. Uh, or is it? Yeah, I think it's Cal. I think I said Cole. I don't fucking know. Who cares? Whatever. You know where you are. Uh, Nick yeah. Nick Topola asks, uh, "What are your guys' thoughts on the organization season so far?" Wait, did you say Nick's name wrong? It's not. It's a different one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It's not the Nick that works with us. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I I only know this because uh, he quickly tweeted at me and said he couldn't get the five-star question to go through, but here he is. Okay. Interesting. Yep. Uh, So anyway, what are your guys' thoughts on the organization season so far? If you have to give it a letter grade, where would you stand? I don't, mean, I don't just mean the Rangers, but Hartford, prospects still in college, overseas, et cetera. Where do you stand on the progress of the youngster's development, quids development in the second year? Should we be concerned about the underlying metrics of the team, players, et cetera? We just answered that for, with Rob, so you can listen to that part for that answer. Uh, to try and put it all in shortly, are you optimistic about the organization's future as you were when they start the year? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Um, so let, let's, let's do this from
2: like a, a full report card, right? Where I like that idea. At the, of, at the end of this, we need to have like a GPA. Uh,
1: Yeah. So I, I think the team, let's start there.
2: Well, I was actually going to start with the best parts of this season and then work my way to the worst parts of this season where I I think the people that get the grade a performance, the clear a, the thing we don't even need to worry about the prospects that are currently outside the organization have earned an a, I'm not just talking about the Niels Lundqvist, no. the Keandre Millers. We're talking about Tyler wall, Morgan. We're talking about Aaron. Yep. We're talking about um, Laurie Miller out in Liga. Yeah. We're, every every prospect the Rangers have, just about every prospect the Rangers have that's currently playing outside of this organization is crushing it. And that gives them an A for their part of this. Hartford, I think you also have to give an A to.
1: How could you not?
2: They've completely remodeled themselves. The The young pieces that have gone down there have played well. Um, Joey Keen has played well all year. Heedle quickly earned himself a promotion off of that team. Leah Anderson has been encouraging. The coaching staff has put an emphasis on playing a certain style that will translate to the NHL. They're one of the best teams, the best stories in the American Hockey League. You you got to give them an A as well, right? Uh,
1: yeah. The no, New York no Rangers question. goalie.
2: New York Rangers goalies. A. You have to give them an A. So that's three A's on this report, Coward. Already, you don't need us to explain why you give Henrik Lundqvist and Alex an A. You understand um, the defense? Uh, it's complicated. It's hard not to give them a
1: grade above a C. I would. I don't my gut reaction was a D plus, right? Because it's Adam Fox. If we is consider, let, let's let's let's
2: consider the seven defenseman tests the Rangers have taken throughout this year. They they got an A plus on Adam Fox. They've gotten a B-plus to an A-minus on Tony D'Angelo. But then they've gotten Cs on Brady, on Jacob Truba. They probably have a C-minus on Brady Shea. They have an F on Mark Stahl. They have a C on Ryan Lindgren. And they have an F on Lever Hayek. So you got two Fs to go with your 1A. They're probably in that D-plus, C-minus range.
1: I think that's a very fair, fair uh, review of the defense.
2: And then the forwards, uh. they haven't been – Underwhelming, but outside of Panarin and Zibanejad, they also haven't been overwhelming.
1: I'd give Kako season so I think, so far like a nice B minus C plus range, and I think that yeah, and I,
2: I think I think that's what we have to give for the entire forward group. Yeah, I think as a group they've played as a C plus B minus type team. So you have three A's, you have an F, uh, sorry, a D plus, <laughs> very close. Three three A's, a D plus, and a C plus. That probably comes to what? Like a 3 3? Yeah. Ish? You like a B? B plus? Yeah, a, a strong B, maybe B plus on a good day if you squint. And I, yeah, as an organization, I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair.
1: I think that's good. I think if Kako's development in the second half of the year goes up and the, the forwards become, and but gets going and obviously uh, joins the team and maybe he starts playing at a higher level, then this great. And the, Ra- and, and the Rangers
2: cash. Cash in the trade ships that they need to cash in?
1: Yeah, then we're talking A- and uh-uh. Listen, the Devils just traded an MVP that was two years out. Uh, their future looks, looks very bleak. They have a lot of money on the books for certain players that are going to be around for quite a while, and they just traded a star from their team. I don't like their future, whereas I really like our future still, and I'm really excited about all the prospects we have coming, what we have in place, and we signed the best free agent in the, in the offseason, and it's not a bust whatsoever. I can't ask for anything more. A minus is a very. I would still give B plus right now, but I think we have the potential for A minus by the end of the year, and that's a great thing yeah. to be.
2: Yeah, at, at the uh, at the halfway point of the year, after the first semester, the Rangers are cashing in with B plus. They might, they might be
1: like low level of Dean's list, maybe. Yeah, so good for them. That's good then. Uh, okay. This question is from B rocks eleven. He talks about the Knicks a little bit from last week's podcast. We're gonna skip that. Um uh, but he says Gun to your head, who gets traded from did the you, team? Did you did you did you see the Knicks have played before
2: they went on a four game road trip, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And every night of the road trip they played on Star Wars night for the other team. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> every 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 night of the road
1: trip the New York Knicks played on Star Wars night. That's very funny. Um Gun to your head, who gets traded from the team for his follow up? Where do they go and for what? Thanks, Rocks. Uh, I think we uh, talked about this earlier. I think it's Kreider and I think it's for a second and a third. Yeah. Yeah. Because
2: I don't I I think the Rangers need to be wowed to move Georgiev, and I don't think they're actively shopping them. I think the Rangers need to be wowed to move Strom. I don't think I think they're telling teams they'd listen, but they're not asking teams for specific players. I think Kreider is
1: the only player they're actively shopping. This is the last question. It's not a Rangers question, and that's why I saved it for last. If this is from Roy right. Langers, he's from Great Britain. He says, Hey guys. Oh boy. Question for Greg about Southampton. Uh, uh, we're bad. Uh, what are your thoughts on the season so far? And do, you Awful. Thi- and do you think they will stay up? No. No. Also, how did you... uh, it, it's really it's really
2: depressing. But I've I've come to terms thinking that they're they're going down and it's it's not great.
1: I said. Also, how did you become a, a fan to begin with? I'm a boyhead Chelsea fan, and because of my family and living close, just wondering why you picked Southampton, and not usually a big six. And uh, then he has another question, but I'll ask that first.
2: Uh. I think I've told this story on the podcast before. I'll tell it again. When NBC got the rights to the Premier League, I think it was, boy, I think we have to go back to like 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. might have been the 14, 15 season. Uh, the first season I decided to watch full time. I decided to pick Queens Park Rangers as my team. Um, spoiler alert, Ryan, awful the entire year. But they did have a guy. Oh,
1: well, you go with the Jones. Rangers. Good for you.
2: Yeah. They, they, were, they were, I eh, that, I would like to say that's why. Honestly, I like the jerseys. The blue okay. and the white was really nice. Anyway, um, they were awful. But they had a guy by the name of Charlie Austin who was fantastic. I think he had 18 goals on the season. And once I knew that um, Queens Park Rangers was going back down, I said, wherever Charlie Austin goes to in the transfer market, because it became clear he was going to get transferred out, I would just latch on to that team. Uh. For some reason, Queens Park Rangers waited half a season to sell Charlie Austin. So for half a season, I was a bit of a nomad. And then Southampton came in with, a, I think, a $6 million transfer on Charlie. Decided to latch my wagon to that uh, team. He was there two years before this season. And it's just, uh, you know. We score him score live.
1: That's all we can ever ask for.
2: He, not just score live, but score the winner against Arsenal at home. And it was it was a dream. Once that, I mean, I was already I was already way in at that point, but then when that happened, I was a fan for life. And, hey, the good news is uh, the championship ESPN Plus has the rights. Now that I have Disney Plus, I have ESPN Plus, so I'll be able to watch Southampton next year. It'll be fine.
1: Uh, the second question about uh, Football soccer uh, is, what do you think of Christian Pulisic? Pul- I can't do this to the name. You, you know what I'm talking Pulisic. about. Pulisic. Pulisic. Yeah. Pulisic Starts, starts with mm-hmm. the Premier League. Sorry, not Rangers-related questions, but occasionally I hear Greg talk about the Saints. And I wanted to hear the backstory. Keep up the good work, guys. Praise be. Thanks, Rory. Uh,
2: I mean, pool basically been a best case scenario for the U.S. men's national team when it comes to playing in a in the world's most competitive league and playing at a high level. Uh, the U.S. men's national team's problem is it has no direction and it, it, it has no infrastructure. That's a joke. So I think we're fucked. Yeah, we're fucked. Yeah. Um, but good for Christian. <laughs> I'm I'm happy for Christian. It's just it's a real fucking bummer that uh that the U.S. men's national team has run worse than the fucking New York Knicks. It's really what it comes down to.
1: Well, I just thank you guys for listening this week. We have a great athletic park podcast coming out later this week on the Athletic Feed. It is BSB Christmas Part 2. We're doing defensemen, goalies, and coaches under your Christmas tree. Uh, you can get you can listen to that now, athletic.com slash BSB. And also want to thank our supporters, uh, as always, Ben Weber. Uh, I don't have him in front of me. Benjamin Waters, Torrey from Manhattan. Eric Kahn, Eric from Cincinnati. Okay, I think I got them all. Uh, if I missed you, I'm so sorry. I love you dearly, and I'm going to read your name twice next week. Uh, on top of that, I love you all very much. Follow me on Twitter at Me and follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We'll be back next week. See you then. Happy holidays.
2: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things
1: differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine